This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What really drives me is a problem and a way to find a solution for it. So I'm not a psychologist, but I thought that we would get an understanding of the person through elements based on the big five model in psychology and the intent would lead them to actions that really you know was something burning inside of me so one thing led to the other and confirm you evolved from something which is good for the english language but is not scalable for 207 dialects in in india and pivoted to a much bigger problem which is financial inclusion Congratulations on your new job. You've called all your friends over to celebrate your achievement with a party at five o'clock on Saturday. Unfortunately, it's Friday night and you haven't done any preparation. So you've got a busy day tomorrow. What time do you set the alarm? Bright and early so you've got more than enough time to get it done? Or do you sleep in? After all, it is a Saturday and you could always take a taxi to make up the time. Okay, you're up and you're heading into town. It's a sunny day, so you're taking the motorbike, but it needs some fuel. You stop in en route and fill it up. In the UK, it's about a pound fifty a litre at the moment, so let's say you put in 15 litres and hand over 25 pounds. How much change should you get? Tanks full, you head into town and spend a bit of time walking around, looking in the shop windows. You could do with a nice new shirt for the party, but a bit pricey. What do you think? Maybe we could negotiate a discount. The choices you make in a simulation like this can tell a trained psychologist something about your makeup. You may have come across a test like this while looking for a new job or during a leadership course when you were learning about how your psychological profile impacts your leadership style. But because your psychology influences all your decisions, That same sort of test can be useful in telling us about your financial behaviours and as a result your credit risk. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. Kobus Ekstian, founder and CEO of Matagen Applied Insights. Welcome to the show. Now, your entry into the world of scorecard building was fairly traditional, coming in via retail finance and then several years spent in one of the big credit bureaus. But after you struck out on your own with Matagen, it looks like you've taken on a wide array of projects within the financial services, of course and in related industries like telco, where I know you do a lot of work, but also in industries a lot further away from financial services. 
like helping farmers to identify their perfect harvest dates. What are some of those more exotic circumstances in which you've built models? Thanks for the opportunity. There are so many lessons from the credit industry that other industries can learn and lessons from other industries that the financial service industry can learn. So Matheson Applied Insights, where the Applied Insights is kind of a tongue-in-cheek reference to AI. It's part of a group of companies where the other companies focus on software development, digital marketing, and geospatial services. So it's nice to be able to solve business problems while still pulling in experts from some of the other companies. We've done anything from arbitrage in crypto markets to yeah, predicting harvest states to make sure that a farmer does not spend too much on crop protection and then the levels of insecticides in his crop is too high when he tries to export. In other agricultural projects, we're busy rolling out uh, analytical platform to take data from different sources across the world and consolidate it for better decisioning and rolling out different APIs. We're doing that with the university in America. In mining, it's about targeting profitable areas. In healthcare, we're helping individuals to understand their level of resilience by using data science and taking the, the questionnaire that they've answered and making practical recommendations around sleep patterns, for example. So every time you work on a project, there is a lesson that you can learn somewhere else. For example, there's a concept in medical sciences called the, the U-score, which is very useful for taking an unsupervised learning problem where you, you're not sure what to predict and turn it into a supervised learning problem. But we could use the same concept in money laundering anti-money laundering, to be very specific. And we could use the same concept for ranking individuals that answer the questionnaire in financial services to determine their financial health and their financial resilience. So it's amazing to be able to benefit not just from one industry, but from all the different industries. But then the challenge is to understand your toolbox and to know when to apply what tool, because they might not all be relevant. Yeah, and let's just take a closer look at that point, because I would imagine that working within a credit bureau, you're dealing with data from clients who've had a long time to get used to the idea of sharing data. They've invested in internal processes that create and store and share data accurately. And when they do share it, it's then filtered through certain rules on the bureau side. And of course, it's big because you've usually got a bird's eye view of a whole country's data. When you've had to build models on data that is not as structured or not as big, how have you had to adjust your approach? Good question. So, yes, there are very well structured data sets at a credit bureau, but much of the data is also unstructured and not clean, especially where there was some human intervention, for example, contactability data or employment data. So I've had the fortune of being exposed to that at the Credit Bureau. The good thing about financial services models or models in the area that's tightly regulated is that you can't just go for predictive strength. You need to build models that are predictive, but also transparent and stable. And if you use 
those techniques, then they are easily transferable to smaller data sets compared to, for example, a neural network, which generally only outperforms other models with millions and millions of records. And yes, there are other techniques like probabilistic neural networks for smaller data sets, but in general, it is not as easy to implement or tweak or monitor or understand as something like logistic regression with a weights of evidence transformation. So with a small data set where you can't always trust the data because you don't have millions of records to verify what is the outlier and what is the true representation of the population, you need to be able to combine your expert judgment with the judgment of the expert in the industry with what you're seeing in the data at one point in time, with what you're seeing in data in the same industry in other points in time, with what you're seeing in other industries. And then you combine all of those insights. So, yeah, common sense and transparency is key. As long as you don't rush into it, as long as you're not a cowboy, as long as you don't just chase predictiveness, that makes it a lot easier to try and make predictions. And another thing we can maybe take away from the breadth of the projects you've undertaken is that the thing you're trying to predict isn't all that important. As long as the dependent variable has a relationship with the independent variable, you can probably build a model for it. So with that in mind, let's turn our focus to the Confirm UK study, where you were tasked with building a credit scorecard using only psychometric traits as an input. Were you surprised by how predictive those turned out to be? I think I was expecting to see a strong result. There's a saying that goes, it's not the best algorithm that wins, but the best data. But the general consensus in the credit industry is that there's not such a big difference between the different algorithms, especially if the data isn't that large. So psychometric data presents an amazing opportunity to not just see what people are doing, but to understand why. And if you understand the why, it helps to predict future performance. So just like with credit bureau data from credit providers, the traceability of the data, the integrity data is really important. So with the credit bureau data, it might be that the supplier didn't capture the data correctly. With something like someone playing the game, there's also a risk that the game didn't capture the trade correctly. So that has to be verified. The sample size still needs to be large enough. We still need to validate it with a psychologist. And needs to make intuitive sense. But once you cater for most of those and you have a transparent modeling technique, it really becomes a very powerful data source. And also because the game lessens the chance of someone trying to game a psychometric quiz, gave me confidence. And with a low degree of correlation with other sources, because if all sources tell you the same story, then they don't add any value. So it can add value to both thin files and thick files. But in a thin file context, thin file scorecards or new to create scorecards throw a big group of individuals into the same age pot or into the same income pot. Whereas you might have someone with a very high income that lives way beyond his means or someone else that is able to plan well is conscientious, and 
when you have this additional psychometric lens, it can make two individuals that would look the same otherwise seem different. Yeah, the, the true self. It's like you're looking with a magnifying glass. So we saw strength very much comparable to a model built using Great Bureau data in an unsecured space. And we were able to get very high predictive values on out-of-time testing as well. So in other words, we're showing that the model does generalize well and does not just memorize. And we were also able to see a nice monotonically downwards trend for the bad rate. So as the score increases, the bad rate decreases, where they might give someone with a, a lower score a smaller amount instead of just declining them. And someone with a higher score, a larger amount, if they want an even larger amount, then they can go to the credit bureau. So instead of having to pay a credit bureau fee for every application, they now will only pay it where it makes sense. So yes, the strength is important, and we've shown that, but it's also about using this, this model in conjunction with application data and potentially credit bureau data to, to maximize not just profit, but also impact and sustainability. Yeah, and you've just mentioned how one of the weaknesses of a traditional thin file or new to credit scorecard is that tendency for scores to clump around one or two points. And I think one of the big testaments to the success of the model that you've built for ConfirmU is that that doesn't happen. I'm not sure if there's a more technical way of describing the distribution, but it's certainly very pleasing to the eye. You get nice even deciles in the scored population. And the bad rates of the riskiest decile are three times that of the bad rates of the lowest decile with a steady change. So congratulations on that. And indeed, on the strong overall genies you were able to achieve. It does, though, bring to mind a little quip that one of my MBA teachers was fond of about an economics professor who was sitting in the audience of a speech being given by a local entrepreneur. And about halfway through, he raised his hand and said to her, I can see that your business works in practice, but I'm worried. Does it work in theory too? Now, of course, this is a dig at the fact that if we get too caught up in the numbers, we can spend all our time thinking and never get anything done. And that a good entrepreneur acts a bit more on gut instinct than academic rigor. But I think there is a time and a place where it's worth looking for theoretical underpinnings, because they can speak to the repeatability of those early successes that Jokobis has just described. So when I first got involved in ConfirmU, one thing I wanted to learn more about was this concept of psychometrics. What is the scientific basis for it? And do I have a good reason to believe that the psychometric profile of a consumer will influence the decisions they make in the real world and thus their financial health. Hi everyone, I'm Neharika Bhargav. I'm the head of science at ConfirmU. My background is in psychology. My undergrad was in psychology and HR specialization from University of Waterloo, Canada. I went on to get my master's in HR from London School of Economics. And in 2013, I got myself certified in psychometric assessments. I'm certified for over 16 tests. And I left my corporate job at a private 
Indian bank in 2016 September and went on to create my own startup called Psych for You, providing psychometric testing services for corporates as well as individuals. I joined Conform You last year to be able to create the psychometric uh, instrument and gamification elements for the product. Now, Neharika, I don't have a lot of exposure to psychometrics, but I seem to remember going through a psychometric test or two when I was looking for work, so in the recruitment process, and maybe doing the Myers-Briggs test on a leadership development course. Is it in that HR space that psychometrics are traditionally most at home? So psychometric instruments is most common when it comes to hiring candidates to actually look at their strengths and areas of improvement and to see if they're a good fit for the organization and it's vice versa as well. It could be used for different areas of the employee cycle as well. So there are different times and stages of psychometric instruments. So that is extremely important to understand when to use it and what type to use. Though with Confirm You you're looking to do something a bit different, right? You're now looking to measure the psychometric traits that are linked to financial behaviors and credit risk. Could you tell me more about that? We use four different thoughts, four different models, because every model has their own gaps, but they also have uh, certain advantages. So the models that we use, we wanted to make sure that they all complement with each other. And to take those models that cover the traits which make a good borrower. A lot of logic, a lot of primary research and pilot studies supporting each trait that we've chosen. So our first thing was that what are the things that we're trying to measure through the game? One is the intent to repay and one is financial conscientiousness. Now MBTI looks at your preferences or the way you make decisions. So it was extremely important to actually cover the traits related to that, be it extroversion, introversion, be it sensing, you know, how practical or realistic somebody is. Of course, a lot of research supported this, but from your experiences, if you use common sense, a person who, who's less likely default is a much more open and transparent person. Naharika, my background is in traditional credit scoring. And in each country we go to, we might look at the same sorts of data fields, but we would have to build a new credit scorecard because data needs to be read within the local context. I imagine the same is even more true when we're looking at psychometrics. My personality profile must surely, at least to some extent, be a product of the culture in which I live. How do you make sure that the results of the gameplay from India, the results of the gameplay from Indonesia, from Kenya, from Vietnam, are all valid within their local contexts, that nothing is getting lost in cultural translation? Yes, I think that is where our USP is. We are the only product which actually looks into the fact that the way a game looks impacts the way people answer the question. So the way we localize for each geography, we look at the language, we make it also the avatars have some kind of relatability with the user. Another is, of course, um, you know, the images that we select has to be of items or uh, of people 
who they can connect with. So we try to change the ethnicity based on the geography. But we also things like what I grew up with. For me in India, say steel plate is something which is an everyday plate I eat my food in. Whereas China crockery is I bring out when I have dinner guests. So, you know, as local as that, we try to understand from different countries before we create any game for that geography. So it is gamification elements with psychometric elements. Well, let's talk about that gamification aspect a little bit, because there are obviously customer engagement upsides to that. And when we think about time, time spent playing a game passes faster than time spent filling out a form. But, and here it's almost impossible to avoid the little bit of wordplay, but it's harder to game the system when the system is a game. If I think about answering any questionnaire about myself, you can often see what seems to be the right answer. That answer that represents an ideal version of yourself rather than a true version of yourself. And so as much as you might be trying to be truthful, you're going to feel that pressure to every now and again round yourself up a little bit so that when they read the results, you're not embarrassed. And I don't think I'm alone in feeling that. Whereas in the game, it's a lot easier to forget that you're on camera, as it were. And Jokovic has already called that out in terms of his scorecard building. But what are your thoughts on that? Yes, that's absolutely correct. A lot of users wanting to please. This is a very new area where we're using images, we're using gamification elements, we're using numeracy to be able to measure these two things. Sometimes when it comes to English or other languages, the way I would interpret certain things could be different from the way you interpret. I would say that a lot of financial institutes definitely use a lot of psychometric instruments when it comes to questionnaires, right, surveys. But I think this would be the first time that we're using it solely based on images and numeracy and gamification elements. So a lot of people use more invasive ways of being able to find out more about the person. It could be through their phone number or through their utilities or through their social media account or Facebook. So I think what the advantage is definitely when you're using gamification elements, we give user engagement. Secondly is the fact that the target audience that we are focusing on, the millennials as we call them, they are much more ready when anything is created in a more animated form versus a direct question. Uh, so in a game scenario, a lot more people will answer the question much more honestly because they would be much more comfortable when they're answering the question versus directly asking them questions. Like three to four minutes. You're not asking them anything, any personal information. So any psychometric instrument, if you were to see, it would take you minimum 30 to 45 minutes to complete. Whereas in Confirm, you were saying in three to four minutes, we're able to get enough information about you, which will be important for any decision maker. I guess the flip side of that same question then is, once you've distilled a long questionnaire down into a three-minute game, do the results still accurately reflect the true personality? Naharika, you've obviously got a lot of experience delivering psychometric tests in traditional formats. 
after you built the game, did you do any tests to see whether the results from that gameplay were similar to the results you would get from the same person if you did a traditional interview or questionnaire? What we did was we did a pilot study in India, rural India, Uttar Pradesh, and we went to four different towns to make sure that we actually have a range of data. We actually asked them to give us their credit score, played our game, and we did their MBTI tests on them as well. That actually gave us enough number of points to actually tell us that we are going in the right direction. And what we found is 80% of the time that people who scored high on a credit score got between 700 and 800 were most likely also people that we had scored high. I've worked in consumer credit for 20 odd years, but I think the first time that I heard of anybody trying to use a psychometric based scorecard for making credit decisions was over a few beers with my friend Sam, who has a psychology degree and works in marketing. And I dismissed that because I figured these aren't my customers. But actually, in many ways, that's the problem. According to the World Bank, there are 2 billion people around the world who lack access to even the most basic banking services. And the size of the problem only grows if we think about lending, even in markets where we wouldn't think it is a problem. For example, some numbers I read the other night said as many as one in five Americans either lack a credit history or have a credit history that's so thin that it can't be used to create a traditional score. And sure, there are some means of alternative scoring today, but even those leave people behind. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Despite what we see on a daily basis, not everyone lives their lives on their smartphones. And even where they do, most models need a history in which to look for patterns. And in a world where platforms rise and fall in popularity, it can be difficult to gain access and keep access to the right one. Which is why when Yatir Zaluski approached me about joining ConfirmU, I was so excited. Because wrapped into a short game, Psychometric tests can create an immediate credit score that not only requires no existing infrastructure or history, but which creates a unique insight into your customer's motivators. So Yatir, what inspired you to pull this all together? Thanks for hosting me and of course confirm you onto this show, Brandon. So initially, as our family owns an apartment 
in the, one of the provincial areas of Israel. And we wanted to actually rent the house. And unfortunately, all the potential tenants that came on board were people that did not have any bank account. So, you know, with my mom, every time she engaged with a potential tenant that did not have a bank account, she always thought that, you know, those people should not be allowed to rent our apartment. But my core values led me to think that why is there like a paradigm around landlords that people who don't have bank accounts should be deprived from the basic right of renting an apartment? That really was something burning inside of me. So that's what led me to build this kind of a solution. I looked around and I thought maybe we could get something more democratic in a way, which gives us an understanding of who those people are. What really motivates a person, the intent would lead them to actions. So if he wants to rent the property or to serve the debt that he's taken, he would do everything in his power to make that happen. So this is how I started. I thought that, you know, the best way was to screen or interview uh, potential people or candidates for rent through a chatbot. I thought that we would get an understanding of the person through an NLP, which is mapped to psychological elements based on the Big Five model in psychology. I'm not a psychologist. You know, I'm a CPA by qualification and I've done IT and global information systems, and I've done global projects around the world. But what really drives me is a problem and a way to find a solution for it. So I started working on a deck that showed it, pitched it to someone on LinkedIn, a lady who runs an incubator in London, and she invited me to pitch that idea at Startup Bootcamp in London. And when I pitched it to the crowd in Startup Bootcamp, who were mostly from India, they looked at it and told me, wow, that's a great solution. Why don't you pivot it to a much bigger problem, which is financial inclusion? So we had to tweak it and move it to image-based selection. And one thing led to the other and confirm you evolved from something which is good for the English language, but is not scalable for 207 dialects in, in India to an actual gamification which would be much more engaging for people at the bottom of the pyramid. So what's better way, you know, of engaging people in that kind of a segment? And our initial pilot was with Experian and Grameen Foundation in India, which is really exciting because in my vision, Grameen Foundation is financial inclusion. Now, as you said, Confirm, you started out as PropTech before expanding into financial services. What does the product look like today? What we take pride of is the fact that we culturalized and localized the game to any new market that we go to. Credit at the end of the day is a matter of cultures, and we need to embed that within our game. So we would do a pilot, and uh, we will build a bespoke model for those lenders based on you know our understanding from the lender of the practicalities and the characteristics of that uh, audience. And then we would send a link and then those consumers will play the game. And after we have an understanding of how a good or bad bar play the game, we can then come up with a model and then uh, we can actually, I think, scale fast 
to other clients in that market. We started off with rural microentrepreneurial women, which represents actually most of the microfinance industry segment. And Confirm You also right now is in the process of you know penetrating a really unique segment, which is agri-lending. When we started engaging with MyFugo in, in Kenya, the first thing that came into mind, wow, uh, Kenya is such a digital booming landscape, but at the end of the day, nobody actually reaches those farmers. So it was such an exciting experience. You don't find such an amazing entrepreneur like Alan every day who, who sees his audience and sees the problem and sees the great opportunity. And one segment which I find to be really appealing would be new to credit at the metros, young tech savvy population, but they don't have any credit history. Those people especially would be the first, I think, clients of buy now, pay later, which is a flourishing segment that we see all around the world, but it's gaining more and more traction in emerging markets. So I think this is a really fast moving target that confirm you needs to be there. Of course, we're also engaged with banks. And I guess in some way, returning to that original pivot, we're talking about a credit score use case here. But if your psychometric profile influences your financial behavior, it surely stands to reason that it influences your behavior in other ways too. So are there any non-credit use cases that you're exploring? So, yeah, within the lending space, which is quite vast, next year or so, we want to continue and validate and build models with traditional lenders like banks, and at the same time approach all those new platforms like digital banks, buy now, pay later platforms, marketplaces for lending, mostly in emerging markets, but we also want to expand our offering to insurance, wealth tech, and the largest credit bureau around the world really want to engage with our solution in the property tech area. And now it may come as a surprise, but even in the blockchain DeFi space, there's a great room for credit scoring. Right now, when any applicant who wants to get credit within those lending platforms he would need to have some kind of a collateral. So that's a huge potential, which is estimated around $600 billion. And the overall division of this company is to become a global alternative credit bureau. You know, everyone deserves credit. And the traditional model is good, but it doesn't actually evaluate the person's intent based on personality. And what I really like about that is that from the consumer's point of view, there's no one gatekeeping your data. Because Confirm You needs no history, you won't get into a situation where your activity is on the wrong platform for a lender or the right platform that the lender has just lost access to. You are your data. Yetia, thank you so much. If anyone would like to learn more about gamifying credit scores, What's the best way for them to contact you? Best way, I think, would be either my LinkedIn profile or Yatir uh, at confirmyou.com. And thank you to Naharika and Yokobas too. All their contact details will be in the show notes below.
How to Lend Money to Strangers is hosted and produced by myself, Brendan LaGrange, and recorded outside of Maidstone, England. The show music is by I Am Wake. Written transcripts and further content can be found at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show. Hi, it's me again. I have a pile of my books sitting here that I'd like to ship off before I have to move house again. And at the same time, I'm interested in learning a little bit more about my listeners. So if you would like a copy of Draken or Butterfly Hill and you don't mind sharing your address, drop me an email. It's brendan at howtolendmoneytostrangers.show and I'll send one over. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.